Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur, here on WERA 96.7 FM. Today I have Marcus Bullock in the studio. He is the CEO and founder of FlickShop. FlickShop allows the friends and families of incarcerated people to send real postcards to stay connected to their loved ones. Marcus has won the 2015 Innovator of the Year Award from the Daily Record in Maryland and the 2016 Booz Allen Hamilton Aspen Ideas Award from the Aspen Institute. Thanks for dropping by today, Marcus. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So now I found out about your company, and I thought it was a really interesting concept. Can you just describe what it is for our listeners? Uh, Our technology was intentionally built to be able to keep family members connected to their incarcerated loved ones. The genesis of FlickShop came uh, after me serving several years inside of adult maximum security prisons. Uh, When I was 15 years old, uh, I made a huge mistake. I stole a car from someone. Uh, it was one of the worst mistakes of my life because it, it, it not only did it teach me what it meant to operate in the world of learning discretion around right and wrong uh, as, as, a, as a teenager. But it also was the decision that landed me in front of a judge with my mom and my sister and nieces and uh, family members, all of them, you know, standing just a few feet behind me, crying uncontrollably as they listened to a judge sentence me to spend eight years in adult maximum security prisons. And so just talk to me about the, the personal journey that you, you had there and how this came into Flick Shop being created. Yeah, yeah. You know, so interestingly, so in prison, um, so I, I'm 15 years old, mm-hmm. right? About a week after my 15th birthday. And uh, I'm sentenced to go to adult prisons. And I'm a 15-year-old that has no idea what jail or prison, what that looks like, um, how to operate there, what to do to make sure that I maintain a sense of safety or sanity or any of those other, you know, S words, right? I don't know. But um, I'm, in, I'm in this place and uh, one of the darkest times of my life. And while it was, you know, really hard for me and challenging to walk through that environment in um, at these prison walls, uh, my mom, she would saw how it was tearing me apart. Uh, she saw the anger starting to set in as a teenage kid had to be confronted with violence from grown adult men who probably will die inside of a prison cell. Like she knew that this was the place that it could potentially break her son. And so my mom set out on this journey to ensure that I knew that there was going to be life after prison. And one of the ways that she ensured that I, she did that for me was to be able to keep me connected to the world in a way that very few people have inside of those spaces. I mean, there are over 2 million people in prisons all around the country. And I'll tell you that I was one of the very few who received so much love at that pivot point, right? Like so many family members, they pivot to the, to the right. When my mom decided to pivot to the left and said, you know, instead of me going and saying, Hey, Marcus, you need to learn from this decision that you made. And I'm going to allow you to stay there and just rot there. She said, you know what? I'm going to love on you hard. I'm going to, because clearly there was something missing and I want to be able to make sure that you have not only everything you need right now, but I want to, 
overindulged with love and adoration in during a time where it was really foreign. And so uh, during that journey of her wanting to keep me connected to the outside world, she would write me tons and tons of letters and send me tons of pictures. Like, you know, there's no there's no Facebook in prison. Can you just talk about that for a second? Because I understand that you're not able to receive electronic communications. There's no Facebook, no email, right? There's no Facebook, no Instagram, Twitter, texting, Snapchat, any of those technologies. And some federal facilities they may have like a a really restricted emailing program um and some other facilities that have these new technologies now uh that were like that are based off of whether it be a tablet or something else they they have again very restricted emailing policies and, and even those they cost a lot of money but during that time um there there was you know i went to prison before the internet <laughs> so when when i went to prison um it was during an era where uh, that's a story in and of itself, right? To come home and there's the internet, right? right. It's like, oh my goodness. Right. But um, when you're there, you, you, the only method of communication that you have in prison for most facilities is just letters, pens and paper with an, inside of an envelope with a stamp or the exorbitant collect calls that you're forced to have to make using the prison's telephone system. Snail mail. Snail mail, snail mail, <laughs> yeah. snail mail, right? Like the, the the mail that my like my son has no idea what snail mail is, right? <laughs> He's like, when, why would you put something in a box? Why wouldn't you just send it in an email? Yeah, but uh, but you know, my, my mom she would she would take pictures of like a cheeseburger and say, hey, you know, you're gonna have one of these when you come home. She would send me pictures of a mailbox and say, you know, one day you're going to get bills as an adult and they're going to come here. (laughs) Or she would take pictures of the inside of a refrigerator and say, hey, in the middle of the night, you're going to get hungry one day and you're going to be able to walk to this refrigerator and grab something. I need you to know that there's life after prison. You are not going to die here. I'm not going to allow you to be able to die here. I'm not going to allow you to put yourself in a position where you may receive an additional amount of time added to your sentence because you made another bad decision based off of someone else's actions inside of the facility. Whatever it is that's going to push you toward the gate closer to me, Marcus, I'm going to do it. And she was adamant about doing it. I received mail every Every single day and it changed my life. Wow. So you mentioned that your mom loved on you hard. Yes. And you mentioned that there was this really overwhelming need for communication and it was felt like hitting the lottery whenever you had a, a, a message. Talk to me about the need for communication in spaces like that. It's 4 p.m. You're sitting in a dark, in a dark cell. It's really, really dark. And I have a cell partner. The space is probably a, th- a third of the space that we're sitting in right now in the studio, uh, which is probably about a six by nine as a cell. Two beds fill up the cell, two twin size beds fill up the cell. And the bed is not the bed. That you, it's like a, a, a slab of concrete with a two inch thick plastic mattress that's on the top of it. And this inside of this space at 4 p.m., the cell doors are locked and the entire prison population has to go inside of their cells because this is the time that the shift is changing between the correctional officers. But it's also the time that mail call happens. What happens is the new correctional officer that was relieving the last shift from the, the previous correctional officer, they'll get them the, the big stack of envelopes, the big stack of envelopes that represents love. It's the love stack. 
that love stack is is in this correctional officer's hand and he screams at the top of the unit every time he walks in the beginning of the hallway and the hallway is is probably about 15 cells long and each one of those cells has two people in them and it's about four different wings in each building now each prison looks different but this is the typical prison and what it looks like the at the top of the wing at the top of the the, the top of the hallway the while the the doors are locked you can't see the officer you can just hear his voice when he screams mail call this is the quietest moment of the day because this is the moment where you know whether or not you loved or you're not and the officer screams mail call and he walks from cell to cell and he passes these pieces of love through the doors that look like envelopes inside of those envelopes are messages of love or messages of hate either way someone thought to write my name on an envelope and send it to me when my name gets called marcus bullock you've got mail and i run to the door now when i say run six by nine sales so i take two steps as quickly as i can running so quickly that i'm about to smash my face into the front of the steel door just to be able to reach my arm out and grab whatever piece of love is inside of that stack and I take that piece of love and immediately my heart is racing. I have no idea what's in the inside of any of these envelopes or envelope. And while my heart is racing, the only thing I really care about is ensuring that at that moment I relish. I, I stand. I stand boldly. I, I, I'm proud. I'm grateful. I'm humble enough to be able to turn around, look back at my cell partner and look at him and say, wow. I love the fact that I got mail, but I feel horrible that you didn't. Mm. And he's looking at me or the in the next cell over there looking at the next person or they'll or, or, or I'm the only one on the wing that received mail that day. And all 30 people on that wing are looking at Marcus and Marcus is the one that felt loved and 29 others did not. And when I begin to open up that envelope and I begin to pull the paper out, it doesn't matter what the envelope says. I'm loved. I'm cared about someone took the time to write me a letter and I began reading the letter and it doesn't matter if it says if it starts off and says, dear Marcus, I love you or dear Marcus, I hate you. Either way, there's an extension of an emotion that everyone else in this building doesn't have. And that in and of itself allows you to be able to go forward with the next day. And every day that that correctional officer comes to your wing, comes down the wing and screams a mail call and you do not receive something. I mean, because you can only imagine what that does, the serotonin, that dopamine that's being released the moment that your name is being called. But you can only imagine what that does for the men or women who do not receive anything. And it, what it does is it confirms day after day after day that you aren't loved or perceptively that you aren't loved. The reality of it is, is that Monday turns into Tuesday and Tuesday turns into Wednesday out here in the community. I mean, I'm doing interviews with you, right? I'm running a businesses. I'm having fun with my children or my beautiful wife. And I don't have the time to write letters like that. And so with people in the inside of the cells, we forget once we get inside of that cell of how the world keeps turning and the, the, the life keeps spinning. And only because in our world, we're like, you know, 
I only want you to take a few minutes just to tell me that you love me, just to tell me that you care. Tell me that you remember me. Tell me that there was a memory of Thanksgiving that meant something to you. Tell me that there was a memory of the first day of school when I was going to school, mom, to be able to tell me that, hey, I remember when you wore that blue uniform. You remember those Reeboks that I bought you on the first day of school? That was cool. How is your friend Leon doing? How do you think he's going? Have you talked to anyone else? Has anyone else written you letters? All of those questions, those questions represent care. And without the care, you're creating a wave. Again, we talked about over 2 million people that are in sales. You're talking about a wave of people that are being released into the community to come back with that same anger that they had in those sales, bringing it right back out to them. I mean, they're excited and they're happy that they're home. But it's hard to look into your brother's face after serving seven years inside of prison, knowing this is the hardest, darkest moment of your life. And the person who knows you the best, the person who you went through school with, the person who you shared your jacket with, the person who you may share a bowl of Cheerios with at some point in your life. They didn't take the time to write you that letter to tell you that they loved you. And this is what happens around prisons all around the country every single day. Millions of people are not forgotten about. But perceptively on their side, they're not loved. And that is what we want to be able to eliminate. Wow. Thank you for that. And thanks for painting the picture, too. I think that's really important. Talk to me about um, FlickShop now, because I think there's also something very interesting about what you've done as an entrepreneur here, because you've created something that is basically the equivalent of what mail would be through technology. You're using kind of the same communication styles which would be like 30 characters, right, in a, in a post, and then using that as the way that you communicate the, communicate the message, right? Absolutely. So how, did, how did the idea come for that? <laughs> so really, the, the idea is really funny. What ended up happening was, so I'm home now. It's, it's 2004. I'm home. And, you know, I, I can't find a job. It's really, really challenging. Like, the pressures of reentry are, like, immense. Like, it, it, I can go on and on about you know, the 142 job applications that I put in and I got told no into the 143rd that I got a yes to. And I'm, I'm, I'm working at that. I'm working at um, what is now a paint store. I'm working at the paint store and I'm, you know, I'm having a time of my life learning about paint and learning about painters and how they work and all of this cool stuff, you know, that happened while working at that store. And a light bulb went off when, the Miss Johnsons of the world will come into the paint store and they will ask me, they say, hey, Marcus, you know, I want to paint my kitchen blue. How much do you guys charge to paint your kitchen? And I'm like, Miss Johnson, we don't paint kitchens. We sell you the paint so that you can paint your kitchen. Um, but then right after Miss Johnson will leave, the painters of the world, the contractors, they will come into the store and they would complain over and over. Oh, my goodness, is the work out here. It's so hard. You know, it, the, 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 the real estate b- bubble is starting to burst now. What do we do? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Ms. Johnson just walked out of the paint. And this happens every day. A light bulb went off. And so I started a painting business. And that painting business, it allowed me to be able to be able to become the conduit between the painters of the world the Miss Johnsons of the world. And I would connect and bridge these these two. Uh, and it, it grew into an incredible construction business. Um, 
that allowed me to be able to live an incredible life. So now I'm. This was as a contractor. This is as a contractor. Mm-hmm. So now I'm 26 years old. I've been home from prison for about two for about two years now. I'm running this extremely successful construction business. I've quit working at the paint store now. Like my mom's retired. I was able to like help her buy it. I bought her a car for a retirement gift. Like I'm traveling the world. Um, I have a convertible. Like girls love me. Like I feel like I'm back into my groove as a young man after prison. And as I'm growing through this and I'm having the time of my life and I'm living on a cloud, my friends, I mean, the same ones who I grew up with in those sales when I was like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. I mean, that's how long I mean, I, you know, you build these relationships with these people in these prisons. Like when you go to college and you're in a dorm with someone, you know, for years, right? they become your best friends. They become your brothers, your sisters. And these guys became my brothers and they would they would they would constantly call me and they're like Marcus man like you went to the Bahamas this week like dude you were in Spain like what does that beach look like and you you know I I can't believe that you had an opportunity to be able to go and ride what roller coaster and you went to what amusement park like I gotta see this dude you gotta send me pictures I'm like man they're like Marcus I don't shouldn't have to convince you of this you know how important mail is in prison like you know what it does when that correctional officer hits the top of the wing. And I'm like, dang it, I forgot. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I promise you, when I get home today, I'm going to figure out a way to print this picture and I'm going to write you a letter and I'm going to mail it. And I would get home and you know the rest, right? Like I would cut the TV on and then I would open up my laptop and then that's pretty much ball game. And then the next day and the next day what happened and the next day what happened, I would promise over and over again, I would write these letters. And then eventually I'm like, you know, bro, if I could text you, my life would be so much easier. Like, it's just too hard. I don't even know how to print a picture off my iPhone. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to. Like, and then I, I, you're forcing me to have to go to the postal service to go buy stamps. And I got to go to Walmart to go buy envelopes. And I got to Google your address. There has to be a better way for this. And so um, when we looked in the app store it's for an app that will allow you to be able to connect to people in prison, because surely I can't be the only one. I mean, there are millions of people in prison. I mean, the United States incarcerates more people in you know, the U.S. than in any other country. Like, I can't be the only one that has this problem. And when then we didn't see anything in the app store, I'm like, huh. And we built FlickShop. So now our users are able to do exactly like my mom was doing now, because now they can take a picture. They can ask some quick texts. Hey, what's going on, bro? I love you so much. Keep your head up. Here's a picture of my dinner tonight. I can't wait till you come home so that you can enjoy dinner with me. Press send, put my phone back on the table, keep going about my day. And I know that in two to three days, FlickShop is going to print that picture that I just took of my dinner plate, plus that text that I just typed, print it on a real tangible postcard, put postage on it for you and mail it to any person in any prison, any juvenile detention center, any immigration facility, anywhere in the country. And now we're able to connect families. I mean, we connected almost 150,000 families so far in and, and, and having shipped almost a half a million flick shops. And now we are watching and seeing like what first day of school looks like from a six year old that takes a selfie and says, hey, mom. Right. You know, you know, women are the fastest growing prison population. Fastest growing population in prison right now. And so these children are taking pictures and they're sending them to their parents and they're saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, welcome to my first day of school. I can't wait to send you pictures of the PTA meeting because I know you will want to be here. 
seeing families connect in the way that I am connected with my mom or how I am now being able to stay connected with my friends in prison, being able to inspire them and bring them along the journey of even my entrepreneurial journey, my family journey, all of these pieces of my life, they're able to witness and see moment by moment, just like my Facebook friends are, but they're able to stay connected to me now and know that with this kind of level of inspiration, this level of accountability, They'll never see prison again once they're released. And that's what we want to we want to make community safer in decarcerate America by keeping the families connected, because we know that if family engagement is high for people that are in these prison cells, then that means that they'll probably come home, be more engaged with their loved ones and be less likely, more less susceptible to the, the, the crime that we see happening when most of these people are coming home and reoffending. Do you feel that entrepreneurship is a calling? Yes. Talk to me about that. What, why is it a calling for you? Because it's hard, one. It's really, really hard. And entrepreneurship is a long-lasting patience game. And in order to be able to live inside of the bubble of entrepreneurship, in order to be able to be as tenacious as you need to be, and in order to be able to be the success that you aspire to be, in order to be able to be able to pick up a product or a service or a piece of your creativity and attach a price point to it that allows you to be able to build a sustainable life from, it's hard. You have to not only be called to do that, but be called to stay in it. You can start up a business today, right? Like it's very, very easy to go down to your, you know, your local Department of Assessment and Taxation and register and get an SS4 form and get an EIN and have an idea, right? Ideas, ideas are great, but ideas are really, they pale in comparison to execution and entrepreneurship is all about execution. Talk to us about FlickShop Angels, because this is a way that you can get people to really help out with your project here by getting involved with donating postcards as part of this. Talk to us about that and, and also how John Legend became involved with this. Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm so ingr- I'm so gratefully blessed to be able to have the opportunity uh, to go speak inside of environments around the technologies that we're building um, to people who uh, more times than not, they don't know. They don't have a person that's in prison. Right. They like, you know what, Marcus? This is really cool, and I'm really learning from you, and I love the fact that you built this technology that keeps these families connected because it would be great if um, the people who I knew who have been to prison had this level of communication while they were there. So um, I want to help support you. Um, in fact, you mentioned John, right? Like John Legend, he was incredible. He heard about FlickShop. He was, you know, he began to use the technology for him and his family members. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what, how can we begin to support entrepreneurs that are coming home from prison because this technology is incredible and I use it. So I know how amazing this can be. How transformative would it be if I were able to use my celebrity and my dollars um, to be able to invest inside of entrepreneurs that came out of these back, these environments that most people have written off and that's the people that are coming home from prison. Um, and so he became what now, you know, we call our biggest flick shop angel. He purchased over 14,000 flick shop credits and allowed so many children around the country that have an incarcerated parent to send those selfies for free. I mean, how incredible is that, right? For like for a celebrity to, to to lend not only his name, his brand, his, you know, all that, but his dollars as well and say, hey, look, you know what? This is important. I mean, it's important for our 
communities to band together. Like it's our social responsibility to make sure that not only do we advocate for stronger and healthier and safer communities, but we also invest in the people that live there or that are returning there. And so we built the Flick Shop Angels product uh, that allows the community to say, you know what? I don't know anyone in prison or maybe I do know someone in prison, but there's a six year old girl out there who has a mom in prison and she needs to stay in touch with her. I will allow, I will want to contribute to allowing that six year old to stay in touch without 99 cents being a barrier. Right. Like she doesn't want to keep asking her uncle or her, her father or her older sister for their credit card to keep charging 99 cents on within a mobile app that keeps sending these selfies to her mom or dad or her or first day of school or her report card. But she would love to share these moments if she didn't have to pay for them. These flick shop angels, they support the the cost for the logistics and the delivery so that these moms and these dads can receive these postcards. So one of the things I've noticed about this interview is that we've talked a lot about your past. And I think more so than my other guests that I've had on the show where we really talk about, you know, their their backstory to what they led up to as becoming an entrepreneur. I mean, having come to the story as a journalist, I feel like the story is kind of already set for us. We, we're expected to kind of pick up this narrative and talk about your past. Talk to me about like, what would you talk about if you didn't have to talk about your past as part of this? Like, What kind of ways would you, uh, as an entrepreneur, be able to help your community if you didn't feel like the restrictions of having to talk about this as your past? Let's, let's, let's face it. I mean, my past is a huge part of my life and it is the guiding light for a large bit of my future. Now, it isn't my entire life, right? My life isn't jail. That, my, that mistake that I made and the places where I lived for those years, they don't define me. But what it does is it gives me a, a, a piece of perspective that allows me to be able to come back out into the world and talk about um, not only the experience that I had and, and ways that we can make this uh, – the, the community safer and how we can build technologies to be able to uh, in, in these diverse communities that's solving major problems. Uh, but I do, I like to spend a lot of time talking about family and what that means um, for not only me, but what that can mean for you too. Right. I also love talking about um, tech innovations and how they're changing the world. So I talk a little bit about those scooters, like in how Uber and, you know, these people are scooping up these companies, they're acquiring them for these big, big dollars because they understand that transportation is, is big and shared transportation is huge and electric transportation is, you know, growing quickly and rapidly. But how are the people in underserved communities contributing to a culture that's being built using technology? That's one of the places where I like to spend a lot of time as well. What I've learned in my experience of building technology and being a black man that has been in prison, living in areas where we're typically not a part of the conversation when talking about building and designing and executing on the tech in the tech sectors. Um, I'm noticing that uh, there's a sense of culture that's being missed inside of this space that where solutions can be had. But the problem is, is that. Your culture is different than mine because of our experiences growing up, which shapes common sense in almost all technology. The successful ones are built around ideas that center around something dealing with a common sense effort. Right. Common sense, again, the derivative of it is built based on your culture. And the question I have for most people are 
how are we being thoughtful about introducing uh, this this thought these these thoughts around creativity and design thinking and ideation inside of communities that typically don't have seats at the table? Because then you'll begin to see solutions that are being built and designed for communities that need them the most, i.e., flick shop. It's just an amazing, amazing story that you have here, Marcus Thank Bullock. You so much. Thanks so much for dropping by the studio today. Any advice you'd like to leave our entrepreneurs with? Jump out the window and build your parachute on the way down. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next week on DC Entrepreneur. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dcentrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode. And thanks for listening.